Star Wars Escape Pod. We got Blake joining us in the Escape Pod today. Once again, I'm your host, Josh, and uh, we got some Obi-Wan Kenobi chat with uh, articles, subjects brought to uh, to us by EW, the uh, Entertainment Weekly magazine, which, by the way, just released a brand new issue called Obi-Wan Kenobi, Return of a Jedi, in their latest issue. We're going to be talking about uh, some pictures, some preview images that followed the teaser trailer, as well as uh, some context, I guess, for some moments that we've seen in the teaser while we broke that down last week. So let's get into it. landing all right welcome back sir thank you thank you yeah the escape pod has landed we finally uh see where we're at take a look out the window that's right where are we <laughs> where are we now i don't even know where we, we've been flying around so much uh you know we're we're, we're all of all over the place that's right planet to planet vagabonds that's right story to story <laughs> this time it's narshada <laughs> a beautiful city oh. It's not Narshada, though, as we learned in this magazine we're about to talk about. So it's very Narshada-like. <laughs> that is very true. Um, this this uh, this EW Weekly, this uh, Entertainment Weekly magazine, um, uh, well, I don't want to say it's a magazine because we don't actually physically have the magazine. We're actually looking at the EW.com article, which is an exclusive that they put on their site. Um, I, I imagine that these images and these, uh, these text paragraphs are also available in the in-print version. Uh, I would actually like to know if there's even more in there than uh, than in just the website. But uh, there's a there's a little bit on there, little tidbits, and uh, I figured you know uh, you sent me this link, and uh, I was like, hey, you know, let's let's take some time and give some context for these things that we're breaking down last week because I already know that there's a there's a a particular location or two which has now been confirmed as what we thought it was, and, and it makes me happy. And I don't know if that was from the EW article or if it was from uh, just another source, but I found a subject on the internet today which kind of confirmed that. So that was really cool. Oh, nice. I hope you're not getting, giving everyone spoilers by announcing that part of the show is going to take place on Tatooine. <laughs> Major spoilers <laughs> coming up, everybody. Major spoilers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, we're uh <laughs> Tatooine is confirmed. Tatooine confirmed. Tatooine confirmed, all right? Yeah, yeah. We got third show in the row, Tatooine. You know, honestly though, I mean some people are kind of tired of seeing Tatooine. I'm honestly not really tired of it. Uh it's it's just it's just such a classic place. Yeah. Like even even the games, the games that go to Tatooine, I feel like those are always the best levels. So Right, yeah. And you know, here's the thing about Tatooine is like it as classic as it is, 
Um, I feel like, you know, it, it is also just how Luke put it. It's like, uh, you know, uh, just Moss Eisley in the first place is, you know, your wretched hive of scum and villainy. It's kind of the place to be for for that kind of crowd, right? And uh, when we when we meet Anakin in The Phantom Menace and, and Obi-Wan and, and Qui-Gon and Padme just kind of, uh, they're there. But they're there because, they're kind of by accident, because, you know, they just don't have enough fuel to get to the where they're going. Um, but it's... Um, it, it turns out, as we've been exploring this planet as the years go by, uh, I know we brought it up before, but, you know, this really isn't Jakku. Like, stuff goes on here, you know? Like, it's not just a dust ball in the middle of nowhere. And uh, We've been learning that a lot over the last three shows that have yeah. all taken place on Tatooine one way or another. <laughs> right, right. And and I don't know, maybe they're just trying their best to dif- differentiate it from, from Jakku. Or maybe it could be a coincidence. But um, I, I'm very, very happy with, you know, how they've been... Uh, perceiving Tatooine, you know, in, in different perspectives. And, and so we get this, this, uh, this overall view of, of this world at different moments in the timeline. And uh, it's cool, you know, and, and I like Tatooine. I know you like Tatooine, you know, um, it's, it's the OG planet, you know, it's, That's the first, right. it's the first planet people are introduced to when they ever watched Star Wars in 1977. That's also true. Yep. First yeah. planet you see. Yep. It is funny though, bringing up, Jakku though because I do feel like as Tatooine has become more flushed like flushed out Jakku now is what everyone originally thought Tatooine to be so Jakku is like replaced Tatooine a little bit as far as like headcanon comparison you know right right exactly um uh it's uh it's funny because uh, in the more recent episodes of the book of Boba Fett uh, Jakku, they made a big deal about Jakku using Ralph McQuarrie designs that were done for episode four that weren't ended up used, uh, which was those uh, gates. They were like these burgundy kind of dome gates to the spaceport and stuff like that. And they ended up using those in Book of Boba. And, uh, and they, they ended up using those same designs on Jakku in The Force Awakens because they thought, oh, how brilliant would it be if we just used a recycled design? You know, people are going to be stoked. And that happens a lot with Star Wars. Like, they recycle designs a lot, and it's very common. Um, but for them to recycle it again on another dust planet is is just kind of like, hmm. I mean, I like seeing that design, but it's just, uh, it, I guess I, I can understand why it's like, okay, maybe that was a mistake because now people might associate it with the same place. But it is in the background. It's not exactly a hero thing. So, Well, you can even just give it a really simple answer like they were both built by the same say mining company that was like i don't know 500 years ago right right yeah uh it, yeah you're right it could be uh it could be one company uh, it, maybe it's the company that obi-wan's going to be working for uh which we're <laughs> going to be breaking down that in just a little bit as well uh because i know we did some speculating about um obi-wan's side gig you know he's got to make a living on this on this uh, uh dust planet um, we haven't thought about what that job is actually going to be yet. Like, do we think it's going to be a mining? It's going to be like rock picking. I, think, I hope he's. I hope they're all hunting womp rats. There's, yeah. like an, <laughs> there's too many womp rats. They got to thin them out. Right. Uh, you know, let's uh, let's take a quick listen to the teaser trailer again, um, and just to maybe bring people up to speed audibly on on what we're going to be talking about here, um, and then uh, we'll kind of dive into the EW article. Maybe there's some connections there. There's a hunger for this character to come back. The fans have been waiting long enough, you know? 
something that's extremely exciting is the return of obviously Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is quite a dark time that we're coming into with him. Just being a Jedi, it's not safe. There's Jedi hunters out there. At least he has this one task left, which is to keep Luke safe. That's definitely a starting place for our story. The interesting thing is gonna be where it goes from there. The most beautiful thing of all is that it's brought me back together with Hayden. We are bringing back Hayden Christensen to reprise the role of Darth Vader. We couldn't tell the story of Obi-Wan Kenobi without addressing Anakin or Vader. Have another swing at each other it might be quite uh, satisfying for everybody. We hope that you enjoy it as much as we enjoy making it. I should have clarified that I was going to play the uh, original teaser. <laughs> the one that we had last year. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's uh, that's just uh, one of uh, one or two. Should we should we take a look at the other one as well? We can, but since they, they, I feel like no one's really mentioned this and I kind of stumbled upon it. And I feel like now's a good time to bring it up before we watch the trailer. Because yeah. it feels applicable hearing Ewan McGregor talking there. Right. I didn't realize that he is an executive producer of this series. You know, um, yeah, so th th it's interesting that you mentioned that because executive producer, I feel like it's one of those one of those titles. It's like an honorary title uh, where is you, it? You I always of, thought it was they put money into the project so they get a percentage of the cut. Uh, let me let me just Google it. Let me just Google it right here. Um, executive producer usually supervises the creative content plans and schedules the filming with the producer and team. Uh yeah, I mean, that's it. It's uh, it's something of a boss role, I guess. I mean, um, at some point in most soap uh, shows or most uh, most TV shows in general that go for a couple seasons at a time, the main character actor usually ends up becoming one of these roles as well, uh, an executive producer. And I think it's just because they have so much ownership over the uh, the, the main character. yeah the main character and and just kind of where they want to go with it, right? Because uh, a, a director might come in and uh, and say, oh, we want to do this with Obi-Wan, but realistically, uh, you know, coming from a guy who's played this character for a you know, long time, it's basically like his highlight of, uh, of his job, right? You know, doing the Star Wars prequels. And, and uh, you know, he might actually have, he obviously has, has a lot more ownership over what he thinks Obi-Wan would do in a, in a moment like that. So I think maybe being an executive producer might actually have given him some power over approving the scripts uh, as well, which I think is kind yeah, of fascinating. Maybe, maybe like how his character would react, that sort of thing. Right, yeah. If, if yeah. he feels that'd be right, you know what I mean? Yeah, just some just some extra little, you know, uh, you know not, not that he's like ruling the show or anything like that, but I feel like he's one of the main people involved when he's talking to people like Deborah Chow or Dave Filoni you know, and John Favreau, who are all kind of the people involved in making this show in the first place. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I could believe that for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think I think he'll he'll do a good job. I know he tried really hard to be as close to Alec Guinness as possible when you watch the behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. But just to I guess throw like a devil's advocate side of it, he hasn't played the character in like. 15 years you're right so, yeah you're right um there is there's that room of maybe he doesn't remember it exactly as 
he did once. But, you know, we, I don't know. I, I feel like he'll do a good job. I think there's enough people involved. So Honestly, one, yeah. yeah. On, in my opinion, like, honestly, when, when it comes to Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think him playing the character is, like, the least of my concerns. I think... Uh, Agreed. What I'm most concerned about is... is um, is is kind of the events that may transpire uh between him and vader <laughs> which could conflict with the moment that we see in episode four right and and uh uh you know i've got a whole train of thoughts i was running through earlier today and i was thinking to myself like what did they what did they really decide when they thought okay we're gonna use vader in this show and they're gonna fight you know because i can imagine like okay cool we're gonna see vader again makes sense there's inquisitors all this and that good um, but is it really such a good idea for them to actually duel? And uh, I was thinking to myself, like, well, do they really have any context for not doing that? And, and you know, Invader has that little line where he's like, oh, you know, I sense a presence, uh, a presence I have not felt since. And he just kind of trails off, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, two well, lines. There's yeah. that one and... Last time we met, I I was the the apprentice. Now I am, but the master. Yeah, yeah. Last time, yeah. Last time I was but a learner. Now, now I am That's the master. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, uh, that one that one makes uh, a lot more a lot more sense um, when it comes to the episode three fight. But I don't know how I would put that into context of of this show. You know, because he's not a learner anymore. He's a Sith Lord. Exactly. <laughs> and he's been a Sith Lord for ten years. So, exactly. I mean, a long like, time. You know what's up with that, right? Um, but uh, you know, at, at the same time, though, at the same time, I don't think Anakin in Episode Three would have considered himself a learner, regardless, right? So maybe that line they just kind of figured, like, well, he wasn't at the time. At the time, yeah, yeah, he wouldn't have considered himself a learner. Why is he saying it now, twenty years later, about himself uh, back then? Right. Well. Let me let me approach that from two different prongs here. Maybe he sees himself at that time to where he is now. He was considers himself a learner then because he realized how much more there was to learn. And maybe it's not even referring to him as a Jedi. And maybe it's referring to him being very early in his training as a Sith. That's true. That's true. That's um that's a possibility, for sure. We could put we could slap that context on there, and it would it would make sense. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, let's take a listen to this trailer. There's not a whole lot of verbal context if you're if you're not you know if you haven't seen it yet. But for those who who you know might be driving or whatever, it might be cool to listen to it again. We'll just play it. The fight is done. We lost. Stay hidden. The key to hunting Jedi is patience. Jedi cannot help what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. The Jedi Code is like an itch. He cannot help it. 
Where is he? Okay, I got to say this about the Caesar trailer because uh, you know I'm just going nuts for this thing. Uh, the, the 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 opening the opening song right is the the Battle of the Heroes song that we and I know we broke this teaser trailer down last week and all that and you know for those mm-hmm. of you guys who listened to that um, you know that's um, that was that was some thing but it, you know since then I've had I, not, I've had a, I've had a week all right I've had a week to digest this thing and this EW articles come out and then some other subjects came up in my mind that that had been shared with me at one point earlier uh, this year you know a month ago and stuff John Williams is coming back to oh, score really? yeah to score the main theme of this show if not that he's scoring maybe even a little more interesting and, because I thought he like straight up retired after uh, no, yeah, Rise so, of Skywalker. Yeah, so... Um, for Solo, it, I guess, wasn't it? Uh, right, he did the main theme for, for Solo, and, and that was it. And then, and then John Powell took over and did the rest of this, the score. Um, yeah. But uh, John Williams more recently was confirmed uh, that he's returning. Uh, here's the headline. John Williams returns to Star Wars universe with Obi-Wan Kenobi theme. Uh, this was a Variety.com exclusive. And, uh, you know, he, he basically, uh, it, it explains that he's uh, returning to the show to, uh, uh, there's six, there's going to be six episodes and, uh, there's no word yet as to who will be scoring the individual episodes, but they did say that John Williams would be returning to score a theme for Obi-Wan Kenobi and the teaser long behold is out. Uh, they have not confirmed who's scoring each individual episode. Maybe there, maybe the information is out there. I, I just, that was on that page from variety. That, that was what the news was at the time. Um, my theory is that he came back and he did the music, not only for the main theme, but he did the music for this teaser trailer because battle of the heroes is his song and duel of fates True. is his song. Fine. And these are re recorded versions of those songs. Take a listen to this. This is battle of heroes from, Revenge of the Sith. It's over. We lost. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You remember that song, right? It's the it's the Mustafar battle between Anakin and Obi Wan. You're my brother, Anakin! Yeah. (laughs) I loved you. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I have played this song many, many times while dueling in the backyard. <laughs> Balancing on a log in the backyard. Yeah. Before I fell on my ass, yep. Yeah, swinging the lightsaber around. Um, we'll just keep that playing low in the background. So you think it's a re-recording? Oh, it's for sure a re-recording. And, and not only that, but it's been, it's been mixed in with a new recording for the Duel of Fates. Because I was flipping through the separate recordings. That, I don't know if you knew this, but... Duel of Fates was recorded once for the Phantom Menace and re-recorded again for Attack of the Clones because it was used very, very lightly in the uh, the moment where um, actually technically they scored it three times. I think if they didn't reuse the first movies in the third one, they did re-record it again for the third film because 
Um, the funny thing about about Duel of Fates, I'm gonna go on a tangent now. <laughs> the Duel of Fates song is such a uh, is such a a meaningful meaningful song, and and the fact that they play it in this in this teaser trailer means a lot because um, it could be hinting at the very duel that kind of looms over uh, Obi Wan as he faces Vader again. And Duel of Fates is uh, as you know as Dave Filoni kind of explained. Uh, once upon a time, that it, it it's it's called the duel of fates, and that fight between Maul and Qui Gon Obi Wan is called the duel of fates because it's the fate of Anakin Skywalker, and yeah. that song "Duel of Fates" is played at every kind of main turning point for that character. You know, Clone Wars aside, um, every time that Anakin has a turning point in his life, this song is played in the film, and the first being the fate of of Anakin in the hands of the Sith or the Jedi, right? And this this fight that will determine who trains the boy, right? Is it going to be Qui-Gon or is it going to be Obi-Wan? Um, or is it going to be the Sith? Maybe maybe Maul's going to kill them both and, and take the take the kit, right? Or whatever. Um, and, uh, and then the second moment is when Anakin discovers that his mother has been kidnapped by the Tusken Raiders and yeah. he gets on a speeder bike and he sets off into the sunset. Yeah, and with just murder. Just to murder like, all of them. No other. Yeah, yeah. His mind is just dedicated to that at that point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's that's the second moment. And um, here, let me uh, let me find it here. Okay, so this is Return to Tatooine from Attack of the Clones. And if I flash forward to about three minutes and a little bit. Okay, three minutes and 20 seconds. You're about to hear this binary sunset, this peaceful song, which becomes very hopeful, just turn into something very ugly. And it's kind of symbolic as to what he's feeling, right? And who he is as a person and what he does with his life. Hmm. Yeah. You can see like the- Where are you going? Yeah. To find my mother. And opposed to the first movie, this version is even darker. Like the, the choir is even more strong. Yeah, you're right. It is like higher up in comparison to the, yeah. uh, the orchestral music. That's right. And then um, in Revenge of the Sith, the final time that, uh, that this song plays is, uh, is actually uh, in the Senate chamber when Yoda and Sidious are are fighting for basically the fate of the galaxy. And uh, it's yeah. also it's also symbolizing the fate of Anakin Skywalker because if Palpatine dies, then Anakin's betrayal is all of a sudden moot, right? And and something can be done about that because there's no master to teach Anakin Skywalker. And uh, there's a whole series of thoughts that all of us can have as to how we think the events would work out at the end of that movie if Sidious had died and Anakin fought Obi-Wan, right? The Sith would be gone, right? Uh, but o Yoda fails, and and technically, kind of Obi Wan does as well because he doesn't really kill him. But um, but this is uh, uh, this is uh, what is it here? Um, I think it's called. Oh, you know what? I don't think it's actually in the original soundtrack of um, of Revenge of the Sith. But if I flip forward to kind of the middle of of Battle of the Heroes, maybe maybe it's in there.
No, never mind. Okay, so it's not in the uh, the actual soundtrack, Duel of Fates. It's not included in episode three on the soundtrack, but um, but yeah, it is in the movie. And it's yeah, and I know it's, the fight scene. Yeah, and about. it's mixed they in. Definitely play it. Yeah, that's right, and it, and it's mixed in with 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 uh, Battle of the Heroes, right? Um, now the teaser trailer plays first starts off with battle of the heroes because that's the last time that obi-wan and anakin really had a moment right and so i love how the teaser starts with that and then mixes into duel of fates now let's take another listen uh just listen to the music and you'll hear the reorchestrated kind of like redone version of this of this song and i'm pretty sure it's john williams here The fight is done. We lost. Stay hidden. Uh, that's the, the battle of the heroes, and then it duel of so fates. The key. Hunting Jedi. This patience. Jedi cannot help what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. See, there's an extra choir layer on there. The Jedi code is like an itch. He cannot help it. Yeah, it's definitely different for sure. Yeah, both of them are slowed down, especially uh, Battle of the Heroes. Right, right, exactly, and you know to that the point one's... where, like, I I recognized Duel of the Fates immediately. But yeah, like the first time I watched it, but I didn't notice Battle of the Heroes because it was yeah. slowed down so much that you don't even recognize the same two. It's kind of the same idea as uh, Phantom Menace mm-hmm. when they play Palpatine's theme or Darth Sidious's theme for the celebration at the end of the movie over Naboo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and the very first, and prior to, cause I'm missing one little string of notes prior to the battle of fates being in that trailer, the very, very first couple notes that you hear is, um, when is the song is technically Ben Kenobi's Ben Kenobi's, uh, uh, song in a way. Uh, it's when he, it's when he starts to tell Luke about the force and and um and i'm pretty sure that's when it when it comes up and and it's just that little couple notes you know and uh the, and they play that right before they they tie it in with battle of the heroes so they're they're using elements of of episode 4 episode 1 slash through 3 um and and kind of putting them all into into this really masterfully done uh teaser trailer song which i have a hard believe i have a hard time believing that just some uh that some uh, some someone else other than john williams did that um i could be wrong but you know that's just my speculation but um it's possible i will say normally for trailers for movies the recordings are all done completely synthesized and by just some 
like random for hire client like right uh, yeah yeah like a yeah an, uh electronic kind of like a contractor of some sort right and then they don't release the the final like properly recorded john williams or whoever music until the film actually releases mm -hmm. but because this is a disney plus special series i don't know if they would have finished recording yet or not because normally the reason why they don't use the their actual recordings for the trailers is because they haven't done the final recording yet yeah yeah and and they that being said they've got like another month and a half before it needs to be done right so uh you know there's there's lots but of if, time if it is john williams and he only did a handful of songs he could have came in and done those songs three months ago right and then they yeah. just keep reusing them for all the episodes it's not like a right of actual film where you need to record the music for the entire film the whole way through like this because it's a series you can just record it and kind of mm -hmm. kind of play with it in in the cut right right especially right. the the themes that keep re-coming up through the entire series which anything yeah. john williams would have recorded would under yeah yeah exactly um so yeah i mean it's going to be interesting to see which track he actually did do recording or maybe he had a hand in in recording uh maybe he maybe he had a hand in helping with the rest of the music but then him personally did one particular master theme right which uh once the theme is done uh the composer for the rest of the episodes can take elements of that and draw off of it right because it's almost like john williams does the template and then every, someone else kind of t pulls from that and that's how they how they did solo as well and the music with solo like john powell did a fantastic job and john powell's like a uh you know a composer in his own right and i don't want to say that giving john williams just like one main theme to do kenobi is like throwing him a bone it's really not it's it's um it's, no, it's uh, the other way around. It's John Williams giving throwing Disney a bone. Yeah, the guy's like ninety four or something, man. I mean, like he, you know, and he's wrote like every famous theme from the nineties <laughs> onwards, try, even earlier. So oh, like eighties yeah. too. Try right? the eighties, yeah. And stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, uh, was it Terminator? Did he do Terminator as well? No, he didn't do Terminator. Okay, but he did. He did Jaws, ET, Superman. Yeah, like. All the Honestly, hits. man, if you just if you just look at like Harry yeah, Potter, like, yeah, he did Harry Potter as well. Yeah. The Harry Potter theme, Jurassic Park, yeah, all the big ones, like all the ones that you just like hum, right? Yeah, you can just remember. That's right. John Williams. That's how you know if you can remember it two years later. It was John Williams. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good smell test. It's a great. It's a great way to put it. Um, but yeah, John, John Powell's got a lot of movies under his belt, and he's going to be great. Um, or he was great in Solo. Sorry, uh, I don't know who's doing. Obi-Wan Kenobi but uh you know if somebody if maybe they I don't know have, you, have I have you looked this up at all um because uh, I'm just going off of the old variety article here I didn't actually see if that news was updated uh but which sorry just the Obi-Wan Kenobi composer right anytime I anytime oh, I search sure. it up it says John Williams but you know he's just doing I think he's just doing the main theme I don't think he's doing every episode right so yeah the wiki says John Williams as well yeah so I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're gonna be. I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll surprise us and and uh, and say he actually did a lot more than just one theme, right? Because uh, things can shuffle when they're doing a, a project like this. Then they're like, Never oh, well, we'd love some ep more epic music. We'd love to make. We'd love to get John Williams to make a, an Inquisitor theme or something like that. I don't know. Uh, Would you like the composer who did Clone Wars? Kevin, do one of these. Kevin Kiner. 
Yeah, Kevin mm-hmm. Kiner. Kevin Kiner's great. Um, you know, and he he did he did everything, including the Clone Wars finale, which they gave him a full orchestra to work with for those last couple that last season. Uh, and you know, he's a great composer. I think he did a fantastic job. And and uh, I remember uh, I remember Bryce and and you and I were commenting about his work on on the Mandalore arc, the finale, and how it had this ominous Blade Runner vibe about it. And knowing that this terrible, terrible thing was about to happen, um, and uh, he just nailed it, man. He just did such a great job with the music, and and it felt different, and it was it was a welcome different because uh, you know it's not it's not John Williams, but at the same time, it's also you know not your average piece of Star Wars, right? Like Clone Wars has always felt a little different when you watch it. Um, it's got its own identity, almost like every individual movie has just been done so differently that they all kind of stand on it on their own in in a in a special way. Uh, Do you think that style would transition into a series, though, a live action series? I think, yeah, for sure. I think, I think if John Williams even were to, uh, you know, it'd be such an honor for Kevin Kiner to have this happen to him. But it'd be, it would be pretty crazy if, if John Williams did have a hand in making uh, some theme for the uh, for the Inquisitors or, uh, or or even another composer, whoever is doing the, the the live action shows. Right when the Grand Inquisitor shows up, uh, I'm almost half expecting that they do play the Inquisitor's theme from Star Wars Rebels, right? Because uh, that would be, uh, that would be, uh, I don't know, it'd just be a good way to tie those together and a good way to bridge that gap. Uh, and, I, you know, I think music has a, has a really big part to play when, when it comes to telling a narrative. Um, as we've seen from John Williams' music in the Star Wars films, and specifically the, the, the original six films and how, how, uh, he told his story through music, you know, flowing in and out of each of those films and, and the different themes that pop up here and there and uh, tell a story audibly just as much as it does verbally on screen. Because when you watch the, the prequels, specifically episode three or, or something where, where the music is just so, so powerful and it's just so much there, right? Um, it makes other movies almost feel empty when you watch another movie and you're like, where's all the music? Uh, because if you watch episode three over and over again, you could watch that movie on repeat with no dialogue, with just music, and you'll know what's happening, and you'll know oh, what's yeah. going on, and you'll know the feeling that the, the the scene is trying to deliver just based on the music, right? And that that makes a really good movie. Um, so you know, this is the Inquisitor's theme from from Star Wars Rebels season one. That's uh, that's that track is called the Inquisitor, and Kevin Kiner wrote that. So Kevin Kiner did Clone Wars, he did, he did, uh, he did Rebels, he did the Bad Batch. Um, I did he do Resistance as well? I was just trying to find that out. Uh, Star Wars Resistance. I, you know, funnily enough, the the soundtrack for Star Wars Resistance isn't even on Spotify. <laughs> uh, they were but, so unsatisfied with it, they're trying to cover it up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't remember anything about it, so I have no idea if it's good or not. Uh, yeah. So it says no. The composer was Michael Tavira. 
Okay. So no, not um, not uh, Kevin Kiner. They couldn't afford him. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was yeah. No, it was Kevin Kiner's great, and yeah, I would love to see him. Uh, uh, maybe maybe some of his themes that he did for Rebels show up uh, in you know in this in this show. But let's go, let's especially move if he did the recording for the Obi Wan and uh, yeah. Darth Maul scenes. Yeah, but yeah, I, I sure. have one last update that I just stumbled upon Go when we were it. talking here. Yeah. So on the wiki, it actually says in mid February 2022, John Williams recorded the main theme for the series with the orchestra in Los Angeles. Oh, so only a month ago he recorded the main theme. That's right. So I, it sounds like John Williams, his recordings are done, and he only, it sounds like he only did the one main theme. Right. Interesting. Yeah, so um, I guess, you know, that being said, the main theme, I don't, you know, do you think this is going to be a main theme like uh, like what we've heard with Mandalorian Book of Boba where, you know, we get the title card and then the, the 30 second theme sort of deal and then that's it? Or do you that's think that question. this is like a extravagant kind of solo style theme because i don't know to me i think i look at this six part episode thing as if they're approaching it like a big giant movie and unlike some other more episodic things to me this is feels like they're they're approaching it like a movie which is funny because that's how diego luna described how they're doing andor as well so it's got a different vibe out of the gate with how they've planned to tell the narrative of this show i don't Mm. maybe it's less kind of you know plot to you know episode to episode uh i don't want to say freak of the week style with the villains or anything but uh less kind of time spaced with less fluff with yeah less fluff and less time spaced as some of the mando episodes were because we know that some episodes would just kind of flash forward x amount of time and we just had no idea how much later this episode was uh it could have been days could have been weeks right uh, yeah, been, part of that months. I think is them calling it a mini series, yeah, as opposed to just a series. So I think yeah. then the idea is it's about one story. Right. Whereas you have a character who's like a bounty hunter, it's really easy to do. Oh, next week on this adventure, right? Yeah. Whereas this is, I think it's supposed to be just like one story without right. a lot of tangents. Exactly. Yeah. So does that also you kind of conclude that as well? This this theme might be something a lot more grand. Yes, I do think that, especially if it's John Williams. But I don't know if it's a theme recorded specifically for the show or if John Williams re-recorded uh, an alternate version or an expanded version of Obi-Wan's theme. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because he does have kind of a theme, I guess, having been in, you know, like I six... think at this point, all the characters have a theme. Yeah. The only one who didn't was... On solo and now he does so. right right they made such a big deal about that too when he yeah um so yeah um it's gonna be it's gonna be cool i'm really curious to, to hear what he hear what he did and uh, i would really love a full-length version of that version of duel of fates because that that version is awesome but um let's get into this ew obi-wan article details revealed um so we got a nice cover Good, good shot of uh, of Obi Wan and Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan with the lightsaber ignited on on the cover. And nice thick beard. Yeah, nice thick beard. Um, He's got his hair coif. That's right. Yeah, got the graying around the ear. Yeah, touch of gray. Touch of gray. Yeah, Obi Wan. Just for man. Yep. So yeah, uh, the, what does this say about it? It says uh, the force is strong with E W. It is 
Um, should I read all this or no, we don't need to read that. I would read the blurb here because it specifically says Ewan McGregor lights up the Star Wars galaxy for our, the rematch of the century mm. and the Holy Sith Vader's back. So that already they're making it sound like there is going to be a duel. Right, right. <laughs> but we don't know how much Entertainment Weekly actually knows. Um, yeah, well, uh, on the, on the, on the first, uh, page here, it does say, uh, we don't only get the return of, uh, McGregor as Kenobi, but also Joel Edgerton as Uncle Owen. And, uh, you know, we, we know that from the teaser trailer, of course, but, um, you know, it just gives us a quick blurb about the new Inquisitor named Reva, uh, played by the Queen's Gambit's, uh, Moses Ingram. And, uh, then we can flip to the next slide here where we get, uh, page... Or two of eight, and the subject is trouble around every corner. Uh, we got a nice picture of Obi Wan looking around the corner of some stone building. What do you think he's looking Could at? Could be something in Tatooine. Yeah, hiding. You, yeah. you got the classic lights on the wall kind of kind of look, like the graded lights, the classic yeah. Star Wars kind of look. Yeah, very nice photography shot right here. Um, what kind of Obi-Wan Kenobi will we meet in Obi-Wan Kenobi, says the star, Ewan McGregor. Uh, we find Obi-Wan at the beginning of our story rather broken and faithless and beaten, uh, somewhat given up. And I think that's the Obi-Wan that we all want to see because, uh, you know, this is the kind of Obi-Wan that, that we expected uh, to, to be in the desert. You know, this is a guy who's worn away for 19 years at the loss of so many terrible things. And he's just got one goal, which he's basically just staying alive to do, which is, you know, protect Luke Skywalker, right? And judging by what we hear in the, the trailer, it almost feels like he's kind of given up. Like, yeah. for at least for the most part, right? Everything, like the whole Jedi Order, the Republic, it's all fallen. It's all under control of, of the Empire now and the Sith. Yeah. And I'm sure from his perspective, what is one lone Jedi to do against that? Like yeah. The fight is lost. I think is that exact wording. Yeah, yeah. The fight, the fight is lost. Yeah, and and you know, and when he says that, he he refers to uh, everything. He refers to uh, Order sixty six, to the Republic, to to uh, uh, the loss of Anakin, and um, you know, it, it just. And it, I'm curious as to whether or not he even knows if Darth Vader is Anakin at this point in the story. Uh, maybe this is the story that he discovers uh, who Anakin's become, right? I think he must because he would have heard Anakin's name as Darth Vader before he went to fight on Mustafar because yeah. he saw the recording. He said, and it specifically Palpatine says, rise Lord Vader. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so he you would know, know the name. He's been on the desert so long though, that it makes me wonder maybe the empire hasn't fully, maybe this is the moment in 10 years that, that the empire really, really makes itself established on Tatooine, right? Uh, or I don't know, I could be, maybe I'm, maybe there's some comics or something that could prove me wrong in that sense. But I feel as if out of all the stories that I've read personally, uh, all of the books and the comics and stuff, I feel like there hasn't really been any firm kind of moment where the Empire plants itself on Tatooine and goes, this is our planet, you know? Uh, because uh, they make such a big deal about the Tatooine being in the Outer Rim and beyond Republic rule. Um, in in the prequels and in the Clone Wars, it's also kind of like no man's land. Like nobody other than Jabba 
kind yeah. of has control of that planet, right? So yeah, well, it's considered hot space. Yeah, and I think that's even brought up in the comics, which is maybe what you're getting at, where even the Empire just let the Huts control that territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and so maybe this is the moment though, because in Episode Four, when Obi Wan and the droids and Luke are in the speeder and they pull into town, uh, you know, they get checked at at the uh, at the edge of the city and and um, you know, Obi-Wan pulls his forced mind trick on the, the stormtrooper and such. And um, it's just, it, it's just like, when did it get so populated of Imperial troops that they have to send people and have, you know, they're not just there for the droids, right? Like they're there. Uh, there's an Imperial presence there that, that obviously has kind of been there for, for a little while uh, with all the sand troopers and everything like that. They're not just recently deployed from the star destroyer. Um, so I think it's, the difference is it's more like a ranger outpost. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere as opposed to it's under imperial rule, right? Well, so but like, like they'll have like one small, I guess I wouldn't even say battalion, even smaller than that. Just a small group of, of soldiers that would be like, I think like an embassy, right? Right. So what I'm getting at is like, when did that happen, right? And it might be this show. Like this show might be the moment where they realize, oh, there, there could be some Jedi presence on Tatooine. Um, or maybe the Inquisitor has been sweeping the galaxy planet by planet one at a time. And they finally kind of get around to Tatooine. And maybe this is the moment where they're like, all right, we got to We got to check out Tatooine, make sure there's no Jedi business going on. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that could be a thing. Um we got page three here. Inquisiting minds wants to be wants uh, inquisiting minds want to know. Uh, as the force user, uh, as the force sensitive inquisitor Riva Moses Ingram will prove a formidable new foe as she seeks out Jedi in hiding for the Empire. Uh, director Jebra Chow and writer uh, what is this Joby Harlowed describe the character as a ruthlessly Herald. ambitious. Um, yeah, Joby, Joby Harold. Uh, so this is, this is a shot of Reva on the, the roof, um, as what we see here in the teaser trailer. Uh, what do you think of this new Inquisitor? Cause this is a new Inquisitor we haven't been introduced to before in Star Wars Rebels or Jedi Fallen Order or anything. This is brand new to this show. Uh, we already had a big discussion about that last week, um, that we're still now being introduced to more Inquisitors. But, uh, what do, what do you think of this new Reva? Like they made a, made an effort to say that she's quite ambitious, um, what do you think that comes from? Maybe she was an ex Jedi herself, or uh, could be. Maybe she's new and trying to work her way up the chain of command with the all the other Inquisitors. Yeah, I do find her her armor design to be different than the Inquisitors we've seen. All the other Inquisitors have some sort of helmet. She's the only one that doesn't. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and um, well, and then the Grand Inquisitor as well. But yeah, you're right. Uh, it's. Um, it's curious because she's the only human inquisitor that doesn't have a helmet. Cause we, there's a few inquisitors yeah. in the comic that, that don't have a helmet, but they're aliens. So, oh, okay. I mostly yeah. know off the, the rebel show. So maybe. And then in Jedi fallen order, the second has, sister, uh, that one has a helmet she does sure. have a helmet. She's also human, but she does have a helmet, but she does take it off uh, quite a few times. So um, uh, yeah, but it's, so it's kind of half and half there, but yeah, you're right. Uh, she's, she's just kind of solidly no helmet through the, all the, all the times that we've seen her. Uh, maybe is she we'll the be... only one with a cloak? No, uh, I, I, I feel like um, I want to say Second Sister had one, but that's just based off my rough memory. Um, 
Okay, because I read somewhere that people are pointing out that she looks a lot more like Darth Vader than any of the other Inquisitors. She like does. Darth so Vader's she, armor. Right, yeah, and she does. So if you look up a um, look up Second Sister on Google Images, and uh, Second Sister also has a cloak or a cape. Okay. Um, and she has a, a helmet, which is very resemblant of Darth Vader's helmet as well, uh, before she ends up taking it off here and there. Uh, but yeah, she's um, almost gives me some Starkiller vibes, Second Sister. But their their costumes are quite similar, uh, Second Sister and Reva. I feel like they share uh, a few similarities with the shoulder yeah, they pads. Are similar. Yeah, the shoulder pads, the, the belt. The two like uh, it looks almost like they're supposed to be emblems of rank mm-hmm. kind of on her like uh, collarbone area. Yeah, they both have that same design. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then she got the Imperial logo on the right shoulder pad, I guess. So. Second sister is the one from the Jedi Fallen Order game, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, alrighty. Yeah. So uh, that's that. Yeah, it's a lot closer. They're a lot closer than the, the Rebels designs are for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are we on page four now? Um, I hit hit that twice. Go to page four. It's called caving in. So we get a picture of Obi Wan in a cave. Uh, litly, lit dimly by uh, a blue hue. And here's the thing about shots like this for a magazine like this. They tend to do this um, from time to time where they take uh, excellent photography of, of some shots uh, or maybe they're given shots by, uh, by Lucasfilm or whatever uh, to kind of promote the show. Uh, specifically chosen to kind of display you know, key moments or whatever, you know, stuff to get us going. Uh, where's this light coming from, man? There's like a, bu- a blue hue and it's either it coming from... looks like from... water reflection or something, right? Yeah, which is curious because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a desert planet, right? So here's my theory is like the moonlight that he's sitting in the... In the he's like kind of sitting beneath a hole in what looks like a, like a... I don't know, I'm getting major kind of force ghost vibes about this uh i think i think maybe this is on set practical lighting that they've done to maybe amplify a force ghost and maybe i'm thinking it might be qui-gon oh that'd be neat if he's having a moment with qui-gon in, yeah in the cave i think it could be qui-gon i, I don't know okay i'm hoping it is <laughs> i mean i'm also guessing this is where he's staying before he buys the hut that's also possible yeah yeah um this could also be even a flashback to when obi-wan first gets to tatooine maybe he doesn't have a house yet maybe he's just camping out in a cave yeah i mean at least if you read the blurb that's kind of what it sounds like they're talking about so yeah so it says caving in mcgregor's obi-wan kenobi is a master jedi and a master of decluttering as evidenced by his sparse dwelling on Tatooine where he has set up shop to watch over a young Luke Skywalker. And from the teaser trailer, we also get a shot of him kind of at the edge of possibly what is this cave and, in, uh, and kind of looks with his binoculars over, um, over the desert. And, uh, they, they also cut that in with, with the scene of Luke Skywalker, although there's no mountains near the Lars homestead. So, um, just a little, I was wondering that too. Yeah. Uh, depends. I think, We've just never seen it. I think the idea is the camera what we've seen over the Lars Homestead so far has always been facing opening towards the the Dune Sea, right? Facing it. Whereas if you turn the camera 
the other direction away from the dune sea then we're going to see all these uh, like uh, like all the rocks in the mountainous area right right i think that's how they're playing it up maybe yeah um but I... again when we see the jawas show up right i mean I feel like that's that film is from multiple angles next to the sand crawler. Yeah, I know. I know. It's I I don't know. It's a tough one to kind of just throw a mountain in there. I feel like I feel like the Lars homestead is kind of supposed to be in the middle of nowhere. But um, I guess the idea is then like, how's Obi-Wan going to like watch watch Luke from the shadows if there's nothing for him to hide behind like yeah, a single bush I guess a single so. single shrub and Obi-Wan is just squatting in it that's true it's a good point it's a good point for sure um I guess we'll just have to wait and see but yeah um the blue hue though I mean it gets me going I think I don't think that's just ordinary moonlight I think uh there might be something else going on in there you know? Maybe his lightsaber's on off camera. He's using it for for a torch. Oh, maybe, maybe that too. That too, right? I mean, yeah, who knows? Um, slide number five here on the hunt. Uh, we got a a good close up of Riva during the daytime. Another shot from the teaser, I think. Uh, and it says they share a common dark side goal. Ingram says about the villainous trio of Riva, the Grand Inquisitor, and Darth Vader. They're on the same team. As for what stands out most to Ingram about her big bad, it's all heart. Um, so what we know about the Inquisitors is they're Jedi hunters. A lot of them are ex-Jedi. Um, a lot of them are uh, are also partially trained by the Grand Inquisitor, uh, which we learn from the Darth Vader, Dark uh, Dark Lord of the Sith comic books. And... Uh, it's, uh, it's, it starts off with a couple and, you know, it's second sister, this something brother that, um, Reva, this is the first kind of inquisitor that we've now had just no number assigned to her. She's just kind of like known as Reva so far to us, uh, that might be on purpose just so that we go into the show knowing who she is a little more than, than the usual, just cause they don't have that much time to explain about the character of the six episodes. Um, but you know, I, I know his second sister did have a name. Uh, I'm completely forgetting. I think it was Trilla. Yeah, we look, I think we it looked Trilla. it up last episode. Yeah. It was like Trilla or something. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they do have names and stuff. They're not just nobodies, but, uh, you know, they, they are, um, they are supposed to be villains and, uh, Jedi hunters specifically. And, uh, I don't know. You like, you like the idea of Jedi hunters. I feel like this wasn't really an established canon thing until, uh, actually, even in the EU, I don't really think it was a thing. It was just Darth Vader. Yeah, Darth it was Vader's just Darth Vader. task as a, a new Sith apprentice was to hunt down the remaining Jedi. It See, was, that was just his thing. That's what made Starkiller so cool because that was that his too. job, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's funny is there's a, that's it's kind of like this running theme that in this era there's always like a, a new idea for a Jedi hunter. Yeah. Like there was a novel that came out, and it was just about Darth Vader hunting Jedi that survived Order sixty six. Which uh, which novel was that? Man, I read that so long ago. I was in high school. Um, I have to look up the name, but I know it exists. Okay, I'll t yeah. No, I I feel like uh, there was a comic series as well, which which was which was similar. Um, but you know, until the Disney era, there was really no um, no Jedi hunter character that had been established other than the EU Star Killer. You know, from the Force Unleashed video games. Uh, but you know that's you know that's gone the way of the dodo as far as canonicity goes. So in the Disney canon, uh, these Inquisitors were were you know the more kind of are the the current uh, consistent villain for hunting down Jedi on behalf of the Empire. 
and uh, between the Grand Inquisitor training and supervising you them. found it. Oh, what, what, what's it called? So it's called Star Wars Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader. And it's a sequel to Revenge of the Sith. Oh, okay. All right. There you go then. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I owned that book. I owned that book. And then I uh, I never read it. It was pristine condition. So I took it back to the bookstore and they gave me store credit. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it was first released November 22nd, 2005. Who's the author? It was written by James Lucino. James Lucino. Okay. Yeah. He's a good author. He wrote Darth Plagueis. You say I recognize his name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a good, he's a good author. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it, what, what's your take on Inquisitors? They do. F- well, it's funny because they, they technically did exist in the EU as well, but they were a much smaller position. Hmm. Um, and they, they showed up in the Force Unleashed games as well, right? They had the Force Pikes. They're like the staffs with the lightsaber on the end. Oh yeah, the 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 Royal Guard, the yeah, that's Royal what they Guard like, elites they, or something. They were called Sith Inquisitors. Were they? I think so, something like that. Um, but I know what you're, what you're getting at, and I do feel a little bit like the watered down versions of Star Killer, which I think a lot mm-hmm. of people kind of want. Want Darth Vader to have this secret assassin? Yeah, is isn't out of line for a Sith to have. No, it's not. Um, you know, Duke and a lot of people, I think it's still part of their headcanon. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people look at Star Killer as if, oh well, it still could have happened. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I I've always liked Inquisitors. I mean, I thought I thought that was one of the more cool aspects of Star Wars Rebels, you know, and the mm-hmm. the, the idea of these Jedi hunters never really bothered me that much. Um, what I didn't understand at the time, though, was that because Star Wars Rebels takes place so close to Episode Four, was that the these are the this is the end of the Inquisitors, and it felt a little bit foreign because they were new characters to us, but it was the end of their story because they get killed off very quickly. You know, and it, once again, spoilers for anyone listening. Uh, but yeah, it, like they get killed off really quickly by by the protagonists of the show and in various ways, and also even some of the villains of the show. And and uh, they kind of serve their purpose, right? Because they couldn't, they didn't want to turn Vader into this freak, you know, this this uh, freak of the week style like villain that just gets buffooned every week in every episode. Um, by the protagonist of the show, they have to put that blame on someone else, right? Someone less competent. And, yeah, that's and, exactly and, it. Because they they talked about this. Dave Filoni, I think, specifically. Yeah. He mentioned that they didn't want to have the same issue with Darth Vader as they did with General Grievous. Where they kind of made him into this like bumbling villain mm-hmm. because he was he was foiled so often. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and. Uh, you know, for for Grievous, it kind of works because uh, in episode three, he's he's very simply put as as Obi as Samuel. You know, I call him Samuel Jackson, Mace Windu. As, as Mace Windu does, like General Grievous will run and hide as he always does. He's That's a coward. Right. <laughs> Olivia adds that on at the end. He's a coward. He, he's a coward. <laughs> <laughs> Calling it as it is. Yeah, the, 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 that's right. That's right. This party's over. So. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think it's, it's, it's a wise decision to, to, to make, you know, as far as not making your actual villains look terrible and, uh, to protect Vader as far as, you know, a a fearsome villain goes, they had to kind of save that for later. But, um, putting Inquisitors in this show, going into that, this show with that in mind, 
you know, I feel like maybe this is kind of where they can finally give the Inquisitors a chance to shine because they no longer need to be that, uh, that villain that just shows up, makes a fool of himself just so the protagonist can get away, right? Like, Reva is a brand new Inquisitor. She never shows up again after this show and introduced for the show. I feel like this could be kind of the, the pre-boss fight before they before he takes it to Vader kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's totally possible. Well, that being said, I don't know if we're going to get a second season. So No, this is it. Yeah, this is a miniseries, yeah. like, like you said, right? So Yeah, so does that mean leading up to the big boss as in that's in a new hope. I mean, uh, I mean the, the, this, so this so far teased fight, uh, rematch between Obi-Wan and, and Vader. Uh, I, okay. I, I so think you are saying it, it, it is going to happen like under that, that circumstance. I okay. think Reva is going to meet her end in this show by Obi-Wan or, oh, or somebody, <laughs> maybe, maybe it might be, it might be someone fr- like unexpected. Like it might be even like freaking Owen Lars. <laughs> I hope she f- fails and then vader like chokes her out or something like wouldn't, wouldn't that be a twist though because you're like expecting this duel between obi-wan and and reva and then yeah she i don't know she fails her mission or whatever and then you get the classic vader's not impressed right you're just quoting jedi fallen order to me man <laughs> <laughs> and i like inch by inch i feel like i keep spoiling this game for you but um i think you still haven't played it right no, <laughs> I'm, I'm playing it uh, coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Oh yeah, there you go. You got to get around to that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's 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 you know it's um, it's so true, right? I think you know maybe maybe like I said, how some of the Inquisitors met their end to the villains in Rebels. You know, I know like Maul finishes off quite a few of them in Rebels, and uh, and maybe maybe Vader's just gonna straight up be like, hey, you know, this is the price for failure. Just kills her or something like that. I don't know. Um, all right, let's go to the next slide here. Uh, we got a, uh, a look at Obi-Wan feeding his, his back, is it? Or uh, nope. what is that? No, it says it's right a, there oh, EOP. on the side. It's, it's an EOP. EOP, sorry. I, I pointed that out in the teaser last week. <laughs> an EOP. All right, so life in the slow lane. We all know that Obi-Wan feels, how Obi-Wan feels about flying. This Jedi prefers to travel by more primitive means, like this EOP, whenever possible. Uh, it's a very Qui-Gon trait. You know, I feel like I feel like Qui Gon's the kind of guy that hops aboard a something and and mm-hmm. and gives that a ride, preferably to a speeder. And and um, well, it's also been Obi Wan as well, right? Often yeah. we see him; he's riding some sort of animal. Yeah, like in Revenge of the Sith, right? He's riding. Uh, I don't Boga. Even know the name of it. Yeah, the the lizard thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And well, I mean, that being said, I think it's just like a, a master and apprentice kind of. Um, similarity there i think i think obi-wan takes a lot of habits and traits from qui-gon and qui-gon to me has always been the one that would kind of prefer the connection with the creature than hop aboard a, a speeder and, and fly that right and something mechanical yeah, yeah as opposed to yeah. say anakin who prefers something he can build exactly himself exactly yeah exactly um all right so let's... does that mean if obi-wan had the opportunity he'd rather fly a space whale I, I mean, you know, he might need to ask Ezra for a few tips, but <laughs> uh, now but, Ezra is the master. Yeah, yeah. 
but yeah, yeah, I mean, in the teaser alone, we just see him riding on on. Uh, he's either a passenger on a moving vehicle, or he's or he's riding a creature, right? And it's that way in episode four as well. He's always a passenger and never the never the pilot. So uh, this just fits with the character, and it's cool to see Obi Wan f- taking care of his of his you know one and only form of transportation. It's also neat to see it in the Opie because we can see it close up here in this photo. Just you see the modern technology of visual effects to see what it would look like as opposed to the probably seen in Phantom Menace from 99. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, uh, I'm just looking up the next, the next photo. Oh, right, here we go. Making him cry. Uncle, uh, Joel Edgerton is back as uncle Owen. We don't necessarily like his odds in a face off with Riva, but as a wise smuggler once noted, never tell me the odds. Thank you, George, for casting Joel Edgerton as Uncle Owen. Laughs director Deborah Chow. That's all I could say. Um, you know, and Joel Edgerton, he's he's awesome as Uncle Owen. Um, I've uh, I've seen Joel Edgerton in actually uh, a few other things, and uh, he's one of those actors that just kind of ghosts. You know, he's just in all this stuff that you just had no idea that he was in. Uh, but it's um, often a really good talent. like the mark of a good actor, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. And, and he was more recently in a movie I watched on Netflix called the King. Uh, he played Falstaff, who was this military, uh, this friend of, of the King, who is this military expert who, uh, who Timothy Chalamet, um, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, it becomes this King. He's, he's, it's a historical, um, movie about King Henry, the, uh, sixth or something. I think it was. And uh, he has an old friend because he's kind of gone rogue and doesn't want the crown and everything like that. Father dies, son get uh, younger brother who takes the crown gets killed in battle. The the um, uh, the weight the the burden of being the king kind of falls on his shoulders, and he becomes the king. And he doesn't really he he's got some fighting experience, but he wants somebody that he can trust to lead his military. So he hires this, uh, this, he brings on his friend who he, he and him kind of lived together for a while. And this older guy, they took advice from every now and again. And, uh, Joel Edgerton plays that character and it's such a good movie, man. Like if you haven't seen it, you got to watch it. Um, but it's, uh, and it's really good. It's, you know, it's based in medieval times, of course. Um, it's, it's definitely up anyone's alley who likes, who likes the fantasy genre, except this one's historical. Yeah. And it's worth checking out. And yeah, a good, good example of and Joel Edgerton's in it. Yeah, his, yeah, his acting chops. Exactly. Yeah, he was also uh, one of the main characters in Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence. He played the CIA spy that uh, is one of the main uh, people in the movie, and he was also in The Great Gatsby, Zero Dark Thirty. Like he was in, he was in a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's just one of those guys. That's that... funny. Yeah. Cause I've seen a bunch of those. I, I don't recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah. He was in a, a TV miniseries called the underground railroad. And that sounds really interesting. Oh yeah. 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 I remember that when that came out. He's also in the green Knight. I know, uh, I watched that. I know Bryce sent us the, the trailer more recently cause he just watched it as well. But, uh, he played the Lord. Um, I, completely forget which character was but it just goes to show how great of an actor he is you know just to blend in like that and do what he has to do mm-hmm. so and yet he looks so much like uncle owen from a new hope <laughs> yeah he does i mean like i think that's why deborah chow is kind of commenting on you know like thank you george for casting joel edgerton right and and it just goes to show i mean george just knows what he's doing like he just anytime 
Uh, anytime George picks someone to play a particular character casting wise, I feel like it's been a, it's been a hit. Like they've, they've just knocked it out of the park. And, and I mean, the same goes for Hayden as Anakin Skywalker. I feel like, um, he did a, he did a fabulous job at playing that, that role and Ewan as Obi-Wan and, uh, you know, it really makes me wonder then who George would have casted for a young Han Solo. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of curious about that as well. I think. Um, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing though about 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 uh, the casting for that movie because I guess it happened before Ron Howard came aboard, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, I think and the I'm already blanking on the name of the actor who they chose, but he was recommended by Spielberg. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Spielberg is a friend of George's. Uh, Ron Howard is a friend of George's. Um, the two that were kind of uh, that left Solo. Uh, where, uh, you know, I don't think they were friends of George's or anything like that, but, but between Spielberg and Ron Howard, I feel like that movie kind of had all the best attention it could. Uh, it was also, I think the first movie that George showed up to set, right. Or maybe was that Rogue One? I feel like it was Rogue One. Well, Rogue, no, it's not true. George never went to the set, but they screened the movie for George before it came out. And unlike unlike the Force Awakens, George just liked didn't show up at all. Yeah, yeah, because uh, well, he showed up at the premiere, but he had nothing to do with the. Yeah, well, they still they showed him early, and he had like comments or whatever. Because right. I remember Gareth Edwards was was he was he, some interview or something. He was like really proud because George watched the movie and he liked it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, no, I think Solo was the first movie that he went on set to. And paid them an actual visit in person, right? Like that was the moment where, or that was the year, I guess, that he kind of started coming out of his shell a little bit with the new Star Wars stuff. Uh, so, and he directed a scene. He directed the scene where, uh, where, uh, where him and Kira are in the closet together, and he he hangs. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, all the cloaks. <laughs> yeah, all the cloaks. Yeah, where all the cloaks are, Lando's cloak. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's scroll. Oh, and by the way, that's this photo. I forgot to describe it. This is Owen kind of face to face with Reva. And once again, maybe that plays into my theory. Maybe they're maybe, side by side. Maybe Owen's going to kill Reva. <laughs> <laughs> Bundle bundo. They're side by side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got the final slide here. Cloak and Saber. McGregor is all cloaked up again as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Looks like he's in the city streets of uh, one of those planets that uh, had all the nightlife on there. Um, and um, he's got places to go, like a new planet, like the new planet of Daiyu, which sort of has a Hong Kong feel to it. Okay, there we go. The planet Daiyu, that's the one that's in the trailer. That's the one that Reva's on the rooftop, you know, um, with all the glowing signs and everything like that. We finally get a name to this planet. And uh, has sort of a Hong Kong feel to it, says writer Jobby Herald. It's got a graffiti-ridden nightlife, and it's kind of edgy, and it's just uh, got a different lane and a different feeling. It's funny because that's more or less what Coruscant was like on the the the, the ground level, right? Yeah, and and uh, you know we we also threw that speculation out last week where uh, we were thinking like, oh, maybe it's just an edited scene where we can't see the higher up levels of Coruscant. Maybe it's in the lower levels. Yeah, but... it totally could have been judging yeah. by the pictures. Yeah, and uh, and now. Um... You know, now we got some confirmation. Yeah. There's a name. Dayu. Dayu. What's funny is looking at, when I look at that word, it, to me, the first thing I think of is like dairy-free cheese. <laughs> like fake cheese. 
That's what it looks like. It'll be like a brand of fake cheese. Dayu, Dayu. home of green <laughs> and blue milk processing plants. That's right. <laughs> um, and lastly, this is not in the article, but I wanted to bring it up. So uh, there's an article from CBR.com. There's one from Inverse. There's one from Screen Rant. I don't know where they're pulling the source from, but I'm going to read the headline. Obi-Wan Kenobi finally brings fans to an iconic Star Wars locale. Um, the upcoming Disney Plus series, Obi-Wan Kenobi debuts an iconic Star Wars location that's been discussed since A New Hope, but never viewed on screen. The long-discussed locale that has never been seen before shown on screen is Anchorhead. Anchorhead was first introduced into Star Wars canon in 1977, and uh, it's finally making its on-screen appearance in its debut for Obi-Wan Kenobi, according to Star Wars News Net. Uh, Star Wars News Net is, so this is the original source of the information, which has uh, long been a site where they kind of, they kind of seem to know, I guess, stuff. Rumors? <laughs> they kind of need, yeah. Is, we're not talking Mike Zero rumors. We're talking about actual, like, stuff. They, they were also ones to kind of um, post out photos of, like, on-set-related uh, Star Wars things for Rogue One way back in the day and, and, and other stuff. Can you believe it's been five years since Rogue One? It's crazy. That um, is crazy to think about. Do all the articles still all say, check it with a grain of salt? Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember even Force Awakens, Force Awakens Rogue One, it was still every article said that. Take it with a grain of salt. Do yeah, they still yeah, say yeah. that every time? Uh, I didn't read the full thing, so I, I don't know about that. But um, I, <laughs> it's funny because, like, you know, we, we speculated about that last week, and now we're finally getting uh, some some relatively big sources kind of claiming that that this is, this is true. And uh, Anchorhead is kind of the last big... Uh, popular place. I mean, we didn't even know about Mos Pelgos, which is now Freetown. Uh, well, we were, right. It's in, already been renamed. Yeah, we were introduced to Freetown in the Aftermath books. And then in The Mandalorian, they called it Mos Pelgos. But then the people started calling it Freetown. And then now in the canon, it's now officially, as of the Book of Boba Fett, renamed to Freetown officially on the map. So it kind of went back and forth a little bit, but you know what? It's Freetown slash Mos Pelga. It's like a strip mall kind of thing. It's not much of a city. Um, Anchorhead, uh, you know, it's got that big spire in the center, which kind of gave me the idea. Okay, well, it looks like he's on Tatooine. This is a city we haven't seen before. It's got to be Anchorhead, right? Uh, now yeah, we kind of know. We talked about it last week. Yeah, so now at least there's some some confirmation that that's what it is, which is cool. That's cool. So we finally get to see Anchorhead. Yeah. I hope they keep it really close to the design that we got in the old KOTOR games because that was super cool. In the old KOTOR I d- I games, doubt they did they will, have a big centerpiece? Like a big space a tower big in the middle? Piece. Yeah. It could. I don't know if we ever see it. There's there's a shot where Obi-Wan's on the train with a bunch of passengers, which it looks like he's coming back from work, you know? And, and that was the... Uh, we, we were talking about that for a little bit too last week uh, with, with Obi-Wan's side job. Uh, but in the distance, you can see mm-hmm. this like spire thing coming out of the middle of the. And we were talking about how it looked like Ezra's space tower, what is his? Uh, uh, yeah, that's you right. know the tower that he camps out and stores all his helmets in there. It kind of looks like that. Hmm. Because the the big thing. Oh yeah, that's possible. Now it's. It won't be like KOTOR. I can already tell, looking at the picture. It's A, way too big, and B, the thing about KOTOR's Anchorhead is Anchorhead was always under attack by sand people, mm-hmm. by Tusken Raiders, so they built a giant wall 
around like the entire city so it kind of looked more like a castle from a distance interesting or like a you think they'll roll with that for uh for for this doesn't look like it It, it, looking by this picture it looks just like another sprawling city right i think it looks like all buildings as opposed to like a wall some sort if you ever seen the the walls that are around troy in the movie troy right pit it kind of looked like that oh wow that is big okay yeah um yeah not that same scale but that's the kind of design yeah yeah no that's uh that's a little that's a little tall i think for something on tattooing i mean that's like taller than or half as tall as job as palace kind of thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> a little much. it was cool cool idea though and it made it feel really different from say uh like moss pelago or moss eisley or something yeah moss Aspa. yeah um, we were talking earlier about, about this fight between, uh, Obi-Wan and Vader. And, you know, I know we've talked about it extensively, uh, just, you know, in, in various episodes of the show, uh, and, you know, we've got our worries about it, uh, but we can only get so, so worried about it until, until, uh, you know, if it happens, it happens. Right. But then, uh, now at least kind of we're, we're at the point where we may as well just start to digest exactly how this is going to play out. And uh, as worried as, as some of the minor details of this event makes me, I'm also kind of excited because, uh, you know, this is, this is the follow-up to, to, to this. You were the chosen one! It was said that you would destroy this sin, not join them! Bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness! that i mean that that's pretty exciting you know and uh we've been living with episode three and four for a long time and and having that very underwhelming uh fight on the death star and it is an old movie yeah it is an old movie but, but. again even just like re-listening to that that clip for revenge of the sith the the lead up between that and when they see each other just like the the tension of knowing where you left off yeah like for vader especially like then she's like, this is my moment to prove myself and for revenge, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's what makes uh, the, that episode four as underwhelming as kind of the actual physical fight is. That's what makes that fight uh, so much more meaningful is that I think from George's uh, perspective is that that was the last time that they met, right? And that, that, that's the part that has me worried. Um, but, you know, if they, if, they, if they go around that and maybe, they'll, maybe they're just kind of hoaxing all of us maybe they're teasing this showdown but maybe it won't be like in person maybe it'll be obi-wan versus vader's agents 
and Vader and him and never ships. actually yeah maybe they never actually clash but maybe it's like a bit of a bit of a proxy fight going on maybe 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 they reference Vader as like yes he's in the show but maybe it's just Obi-Wan versus all these inquisitors and then therefore they kind of consider that you know the last or the the standoff or the rematch of the century right because maybe maybe they're considering these guys as an extension of Vader's uh evil right uh but uh, I don't could know be. I don't know it also just could be that they don't have a lot of information and that's more or less just their speculation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, are you excited for this? Oh yeah. This is yeah. when they announced all of the different series that are coming up. This was the one I'm it's most excited for even more than Mando season two or yeah. Boba Fett. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like uh, we can't really move on subjects without bringing up the fact that uh, the internet subject has been floating around. I don't know where it originated, but somebody somewhere let loose that the original villain for the show would have been Darth Maul. And uh, I can't think of a of a more... Um, That's Dark Horse Comics. Yeah, yeah. Originally, that is the plot of the Dark Horse Comics. And, and let's not forget that in Rebels... They they closed it off in Rebels with Obi Wan and Maul in the desert, yeah, and and that was that right, and that that put it to bed. But that probably came out after the original film script was first drafted. The original film script for for which? Well, I think the idea of Obi Wan movies been floating around at Lucasfilm for a long time, right? I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So I bet even I bet I would go as far back as when they we're still working on Rogue One. They probably, cause that's when we first heard about a Boba Fett movie. And there, there's also the rumor of the Obi-Wan movie. Right? right. And then we heard that they switched Boba Fett to the series and they also switched Obi-Wan to the series. So I bet in that original draft, it probably was Darth Maul, especially if they're pulling from the comics. That's true. Actually. That's true. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they pulled out this dusty old draft and was like, Oh, this is what we're going to base the show on. Uh, let's change it from here. Kind of thing. And maybe, maybe Maul was the original antagonist, but um, at this point in the timeline and you know, anyone out there who's thinking like, Oh, this would have been such a good idea. Um, honestly, like with, when you fit rebels into the mix, I don't think it's such a good idea because it doesn't and Clone work Wars. and Clone Wars, right? Like you get the end of Clone Wars, you get the, where rebels picks off. It's like this, this show fits in between those. And, and I don't think it really works to have Maul face Obi-Wan before his, his final duel in the desert in rebels. I feel like they kind of. I don't want to say spoiled that moment, but they kind of used their one and only ticket for, for you know, doing it that way, right? Mm-hmm. It was also, that comic came out where they where Darth Maul comes back and is hunting down Obi-Wan in the desert. That comic came out before Clone Wars brought back Darth Maul. Yeah. Because a lot of the artwork that became Darth Maul in Clone Wars was based off of that comic. So when we first see Darth Maul in the comic book, that's when he's got, he has the, the robot legs that are like the goat shaped ones. Yeah. Which is the, the version he had before the like current the legs. The grievous which, claw legs kind of thing. Yeah. I wish yeah. he kept those cause it was pretty badass. And it, it really made him feel more of the, the villainous mechanical monstrosity character that he had become. Right. Where he's like clutching at life, just fueled by revenge. Yeah, it did. Yeah, for sure. I I kind of wish that he he'd kept those a little longer as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in the comics, a lot of people, the most iconic image that they think of when they hear that story was Darth Maul 
like sprinting across the desert towards Obi-Wan with his robot legs and his, his dual saber behind him, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And I don't think they could, with the story we already have now with Darth Maul, I don't think that it would have the same, like, uh, amount of, like, storytelling or depth to it that we have now because it would it would lessen the character from what we've already been given. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it doesn't really work um, when, when you put it into context with all the other material that we have. And uh, I still have to, I still have to read this, this new Obi-Wan Kenobi comic series that they're going to come out with before the show. Uh, or maybe it's going to come out after the show. I don't really know. But um, they also have released a Journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, trade paperback from the original Star Wars comics. Uh, Star run. date, 3497. Yeah. <laughs> Still on Tatooine. Luke is growing. <laughs> and it's got some stories in there. I don't think they're Inquisitor uh, involving, but you know, it's just a little extra detail on Obi-Wan's life before episode four. And uh and and they're they're it's basically issues of the comic series the 2015 marvel comic series the original run um well the first the first run i guess because they're still making them but um but yeah it it was uh, it was luke reading through a journal uh that obi-wan left behind for him and and it just kind of disclosed some stories of of obi-wan on on tatooine uh in his earlier years you know after he got there after after episode three and i don't know when those stories are supposed to take place really but uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to think like, okay, yeah, there are stories out there which which uh, have Obi-Wan in the desert. There's a non-canon novel called Kenobi, which was written by John Jackson Miller, who wrote A New Dawn, the Star Wars Rebels book. And uh, and the Kenobi one was, was one of the last uh, EU Legends books that came out before Disney bought the company. And that told a story about Obi-Wan on Tatooine as well. Do you know in that story... Like what his villain was or what he was trying to fight against no i have no idea i, I never actually read that one but um, okay. i remember the cover it was it was a I big believe they, big title they released a comic already years ago didn't they this is a canon comic where yeah. he, he he decided to stand up against those they were just like random like scum whatever villains on yeah on, yeah on you're thinking and then they, were, they were stealing water yeah you're thinking of the the tales of the obi-wan kenobi yes yeah, so that's the one i'm talking about here where, where uh, okay. so it's it's a collected works though because there's later issues in the star wars series where luke picked up the journal again and read more of his stories uh but that was one of them and uh it's the one you're talking about the one where owen lar is just like hey stay just stay away you're causing trouble you know and he gets all mad at Obi-Wan for getting involved and in, because uh, there's some pirates or whatever stealing the yeah. the water from the Lars moisture people, farm. Yeah, there's right? a, a particular drought on Tatooine. Yeah, yeah. Like Moss Eisley area. Yeah, so that's a canon comic that um, I'm pretty sure. Can you imagine canon. a drought on Tatooine? How terrible would that be? <laughs> at least I'm thinking, I think this was a canon comic. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm I think sure. it was because yeah. it, it came out not. Well, it doesn't feel that long ago, but I bet you it was around the time or a little after like Rogue One area. It was before Solo for sure. I know that. Okay, yeah, it was it, then. It, yeah, if you're if, if you're talking about the same one I'm talking about, then then yeah, we're talking about the original 2015 Star Wars Marvel lineup. Uh, so what they did was they took uh, all the all the issues that Luke reads from this journal and they published it in one trade paperback volume. So you can read all ah, of okay. those flashback stories in one go, kind of thing. Yeah. So it's called the tales of of uh, or the journal the journals of of Ben Obi Wan Kenobi I think it's called. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a go. I think uh, 
we should probably give that a go before we do our what happened Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, you yeah, know, before the show really comes idea. out. But yeah, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a good one. Um, yeah, how much time we got here? We're we're at an hour and thirty. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do, do we take have, long? So much to talk about. Man. There, there is, there is, especially when it comes to this this uh, this show that we've been looking for 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 a while. So much um, to speculate. Yeah, there, there is. Yeah, um, I, I feel like should we should we save it for next week or do we have time to get into this this second Rotten Tomatoes list? Hour and a half. Oh, let's let's start with it next time. I think it's probably right. a good way right. to go. All right, listeners, you got you got one more one more extra thing to pack into next week's episode. But um, yeah, last week we did a breakdown of of Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics ratings of the star Wars shows, which was everything from Disney plus to live action. So, um, you know, resistance. Well, now we're talking about it. We might as well just do it. Well, no, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just summarizing. <laughs> um, but you know, anyone who missed the last week's episode that we basically just kind of went through this list, uh, from bottom to top. And I mentioned on that episode that we would do it again, but based on the audience rating. Uh, so we've got that list. We're going to talk about it next week. So stay tuned for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, is there, uh, you know, is there anything, anything you want to bring up, I guess, before we wrap the show? Hmm. I'm just, just looking forward to this. Obi-Wan is just recounting down the days. I don't know why they didn't release it on May the 4th. That's bizarre to me. It seems like such a waste. But... Well, they're releasing it on, on the day that Star Wars came out originally to the world. Ah, right? okay. So, uh, or the day after whatever it is. It's, no, it's, it's the same day. It's the same day internationally so they they released it was always may i know that for all the prequels and the original films it was always in may it yeah. wasn't until disney really pushed it to december yeah so star wars is it, um was it the same day though that they're releasing it or is it just it's always just been the same month um no it's uh it's the same day i believe so yeah may 25th so may 25th was star wars 1977 and obi-wan kenobi is also going to be may 25th uh, later this month. So that also kind of leads me to speculate that every episode following is uh, is likely going to take place on, I guess, the same same release schedule. So every Wednesday. Or they could do the t- twice in one week and then do every Friday or something. Right. Sometimes they do that. Yeah, that's, that's true as well. Uh, lots to look forward to. Uh, so next week, you know, we got the Rotten Tomatoes thing to get through and then uh, we'll have some other stuff up our sleeve. And uh, for those of you looking forward to future episodes, we got what happened episodes, uh, subjects, characters to fill you in on various gaps. We still have to cover Cad Bane as well. That's going to be an interesting one. And uh, then we'll hit up Obi-Wan Kenobi as well, just in time for the show. So that'll be a long one. That'd be a two parter. That's going to be like Ahsoka level detail. Yeah. 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 Obi-Wan's a busy guy. He is. He is indeed. Well, that being said, we'll catch you in the next one. Keep flying. All right. And thank you to all you guys tuning in from home in your car, wherever you are. Thank you for choosing Star Wars Escape Pod. We love hearing from you guys, and we love seeing those five-star reviews. So feel, please feel free to uh, get in touch with us using our contact information in the description of every episode. Twitter, Instagram, email, whatever it is. 
Best way to help us out is by sharing this show with a friend, leaving a nice five star on Spotify or iTunes. And of course, keep tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod. We'll see you in the next one, and may the force be with you. <laughs>